0: I'm Drew Foster. I am the interim pastor of Trinity Faith Tabernacle, and you're in luck today because I am not long-winded. I am not long-winded, and uh, they keep telling me you're getting longer and longer. I said I don't mean to. I said I just say what's on my heart. The children can be uh, released back to Pastor Kirk and Sister Jennifer for children's church. They'll be going into the next building and continuing on with the Spirit of God moving in their lives. So thankful for the kids. We need to pray for girls. We got so many boys. We need to pray for girls. Come along in our church. Today I want to talk about a... I hate to say a serious subject, but at the same time, There's a lot of things I find in the Bible that I think that's funny. I think God has a sense of humor, and and I definitely have a sense of humor when I read things. Sometimes I had to curb my mouth and not say exactly what I want to say because I think the Word of God is funny. Me and Brother Tony Wilson was talking about this the other day. Some things are just funny. I I think God just, it's just funny. But today, I I just felt like God wanted me to to preach about Psalms 22 and 6. And that's where we're going to be taking our text. Most of the time when I'm writing a sermon, God will remind me of incidents in my life. And he may today again. But most of the time I write it down so I don't forget it. I don't have one incident to write down today. It's just what God was giving me. He didn't remind me of some story in my life to tell. So you may think, Drew, you're not very funny today. Well... I'm giving you what God give to me. If you would, let's stand and read the word of God. In reverence to his word, yes. Psalms 22 and 6, it says, But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach, a reproach of men and despised of the people. Father, God, I'm calling on you today, Lord, to hide me behind the cross. Lord, I'm going to give the word that you give me this week. I ask you, Lord, that it penetrates the hearts. God, that the seed of the word goes deep inside, Lord, and flourishes, Lord, in each and every one of our lives. I ask you, Lord, right now, Lord, to enable me, Lord, to speak what you want me to speak, Father. Let them hear what you have them to hear, Jesus Help me to be obedient with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Like I said, it's not going to be very long, but I think it's very important. If you read Psalms 22, you're going to see some things in there that you, you recognize later on in the Bible. And you're going to realize that Jesus spoke some of these things, but... First of all, I want to say from the time sin entered the world, way back in Genesis, there's been a need for a blood sacrifice. A blood sacrifice is the only thing that'll do. In Genesis 4 and 3, we see that this was probably the first offering that Cain brought to God. The Lord had explained to the first family the necessity of the sacrificial system if they were to have communion with God and forgiveness of their sins there had to be a blood sacrifice genesis 4 and 3 says and in process and in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the lord Cain knew the type of sacrifice the lord would accept he knew it was supposed to be a blood sacrifice but he rebelled against that admonition, demanding that God accept the labor of his hands. God couldn't accept it. He won't accept it. It's a blood sacrifice. In Cain and Abel, we have the first example of a religious man of the world and a genuine man of faith. Genesis 4 and 4 says, And Abel. He also brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. This is what God demanded. It was a blood sacrifice of of an innocent victim, a lamb, which proclaimed the fact that the one was coming who would redeem the lost of humanity, the lost humanity. The offering of Abel was a type of Christ and the price that he would pay on the cross of Calvary in order for man to be redeemed. The law required the shedding of blood for sacrifices that man's sins might be pushed back for a year. All right, animal sacrifices only pushed back sins. They didn't forgive sins, Brother Mike. Just pushed it back another year. We needed a Savior. We needed a savior. That brings me back to Psalms 22. David's the writer of this psalm, and whether he wrote it with understanding and knowledge, we don't know. When he penned these words, however, as you read the entire psalm, you can clearly see it was all recorded as a prophetic event that would take place one day on Calvary. The mystery of the ages is once again revealed in the fact the Lord knows the future better than we can remember the past. God foretold the punishment of his only begotten son for the redemption of the world. Every detail is unfolded, and a millennium after it is written, the prophecy came to pass. As we look at the text, I want you to pay attention to the statement by the Lord when he calls himself a worm. We just sung the song. I would forgot that it was even in that song. I was just thinking about the cross. I was like, My, I want to sing about the cross today. I forgot that was even in there. This passage might seem unimportant, like an unimportant statement at first glance. We might even overlook the significance of his statement. But when he refers to himself as a worm there, there must be a deeper meaning. There must be a deeper meaning. And there is. There's a lot deeper meaning to it. Years ago, a pastor friend of mine in Corsicana, Texas, named Gary Johnson, preached this sermon. And it stuck with me my whole life. I think I've heard one other person even speak on this subject. But this is exactly what I felt God calling me to today. Usually in the Bible, the Hebrew word for worm is rima, which means gross, but maggot what it means but the word worm referred to in our text is a unique it's unique in scripture and in the hebrew this word means a particular female worm which is called the tola worm pastor mentioned it about a month ago i think from the sermon i asked him i said have you ever preached about the tola worm he said i never have he said i just seen this the other day which shocked me because i've heard the sermon a couple times it has been years and years ago The tola worm, which means the crimson worm or the scarlet worm. How many can feel where we're going today? It is not until you begin to study the characteristics of the life cycle of the crimson or scarlet worm that you begin to see the tremendous truth revealed by this scripture. The tola worm was easily accessible and plentiful to the region of old Israel. The tola worm is round about the size of a pea. Because the tola worm doesn't look like a worm, some people thought it was part of a plant. Here's just a few more things I've discovered about the tola worm and how it relates to the death of Christ on the cross. Finest Dake's commentary on this verse said, I am a worm. means that he would take the lowest place among men to be rejected, scorned, spit upon, and humiliated to infamy and shame for all mankind. In the eyes of the world, He was a reproach, a disgrace, and a shame. Hmm. Seeing that this scripture refers to Jesus, our Lord, the Lamb of God, it's important to know why he's called himself a worm here. Both scarlet and crimson colors are the color of blood. It's deep red. The crimson worm is a very special worm that looks more like a grub than a worm. When it's time for the female or the mother crimson worm to have babies, which it only does once in her life, she finds the trunk of a tree. The Palestine Palestine oak tree is the tree of preference for this grub worm, or for this worm, not a grub worm. It's derived from the word providence. Excuse me, let me go back just a little bit. The oak tree, the uh, Palestine oak tree, it's also called the Kerm's oak. K E R M E S. Google that and, and find out, tell me what you get with that. Trying to get a, how to pronounce that was really amazing. But Kerms is what I come up with finally. A Kerms oak, or a Palestinian oak, was the most common tree found in the wildlife of Israel. In the Bible, the oaks were associated with strength and long life. The Hebrew name for oak is derived from the word providence, meaning divine guidance. I'm giving you a lot of facts here. But it's going somewhere. I want you guys to get this deep in your heart. Providence is an attribute of God and frequently associated with God's ability to see ahead. He's seen ahead in time. He knew he was going to have to have that ultimate sacrifice. He knew that the, the blood of the lamb and the goat, the bull, was not going to be enough. He had to have that perfect lamb of God. He had to have a man. That was Jesus Christ. The crimson worm climbs on the tree all by itself. Nobody forces it to get on the tree. It willingly searches out a kerm's oak, which is symbolic of its destiny. Then by its own choice, it climbs onto the tree. After the tola worm attaches herself to the kerm's oak tree, she knows that she will not be coming back down alive. And please understand that nobody forced Christ to the cross. He did not come down until until he finished what he came to earth to perform. Which was to die for my sins, to die for your sins. He wasn't coming down till the job was done. He could have called a band of angels. He could have called to heaven to release him, but he died there alone for you and me. Did you know that Jesus fully obeyed a command from his father to lay down his life? For sinners and take it again. As he died to display his love for the saints. John ten seventeen. Therefore doth my father love me. Because I laid down my life. That I might take it again. Verse 18. No man taketh it from me. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. This commandment I received of my father. He was being obedient. Doing what had to be done. The total worm knows. When it climbs the tree that it will not be coming down alive. It's going to the tree to birth a family. And to do that it must die. The crimson worm's babies cannot live unless the mother dies. Jesus, knowing all things, still was willing to die on the cross to birth a family. He's the God's Word translation here for Colossians 1 and 21. It says, once you were separated from God... The evil things you did showed your hostile attitude. But now Christ has brought you back to God by dying in his physical body. He did this so that you could come into God's presence without sin, fault, or blame. I'm thankful that Jesus did this for us. And studying this out, just I sat in my office and just cried and cried and cried. I know you hear that every week from me. It's just amazing, the word of God. And when it starts penetrating your heart and you start realizing what he did for you, he knew what was happening. He knew what was going on. And he still walked them steps. He still took them beat. He still went all the way with his mission. Once on the tree, the crimson worm then attaches itself to the tree. It makes sure it's secure because the body of the worm will eventually become the shelter for the young which are born. We remember, it was not nails that had our, held our Savior to the tree, it wasn't, it was love. His love for us is what held him on the cross. Mm. That same love and broken body of our Lord is the protection for us against all the winds of heresy and unbelief of the ages. During the birthing process, the tola worm secretes a crimson fluid or a gel. That scarlet fluid covers her entire body and all the eggs she lays. And she shelters her babies under her body. It also leaves a stain on the tree, which the wind can't remove, the waters can't wash it out, and that stain from the toll worm will never fade away with the passing of time. The blood of Jesus stained him, the cross in all of us. which All of us which are saved, it stained us. The blood will never lose its power. The blood will always be there for us. It will always do its work, and guess what? The blood is still working today. The Bible proclaims in Hebrews thirteen and verse eight that Jesus Christ—and now I'm going to add some more Drew words right here—Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus that Jesus shed on the cross is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same. Therefore, according to Revelations twelve and eleven, the saints will forevermore overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, and the word of their testimony. That's why we need to testify, tell the devil that the blood of Jesus forever covers me. And it is evidence and proof that all my troubles, fears, my problems have been destroyed forevermore by Jesus at the cross through his blood. After dying to birth the family, something amazing takes place. For a period of three days, the worm can be scraped from the tree and the crimson gel can be used to make a dye. That dye was the same which was used in the tabernacle and in the garments of the high priests. On the morning of the fourth day, the worm has pulled the head and tail together and is now in the shape of a heart. It's setting on the tree, but it no longer is crimson. It is now a wax, which is white as snow. Isaiah 1 and 18, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. We need to praise the Lord. We need to praise him for being God's heart that died on the cross for you. Whose blood washes us whiter than snow. They can still harvest the wax and use it to make shellac. And shellac, as we know, is a preservative for wood. Praise God for the resurrection because after three days, because it serves as the proof or the preservation of the message of the cross. Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all needed this blood. We all needed Jesus to make that ultimate sacrifice on the cross. We all need him to preserve us and preserve the message of the cross too. Jesus died on the cross for the multitudes of lost sinners for all generations. Without the resurrection, the cross would be meaningless. A man died on a cross. It happened all the time. But the key there, he told them he'd be back. He was Arnold Schwarzenegger in his day. He said, I'll be back. I'll be back. The crimson worm is also a very, fra- a very fragrant when it is crushed. No other life in history has sweetened the pathway of humanity like the crimson worm who was crushed for our sins. He sweetened, sweetened the path. In my study, I also was blessed to discover the crushed worm is also used to make medicine. Very interesting. And particularly, the crushed scarlet worm was also used to make medicine that helps the heart beat smoothly. I got big, bold letters. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I should have put that on the last page. That way I got to it quicker. He is the healer of our diseases. He is the only one that has the power to break the curse of sin and save the soul from destruction. I do not believe for one moment it was a mistake that he called himself a worm. He is the crimson worm. He is the tola worm who died and was crushed for us. Jesus protected us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Galatians 3 and 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. I heard it over here. Isn't that awesome? The last thing I want you to know about the crimson worm is it has a unique quality. Its blood would not clot, congeal, or coagulate. Let that sink in a minute. I want you to know that the blood of Jesus is free flowing. It will not clot, it will not coagulate. His royal blood is still available to us today. It's still pouring out for all of us to receive it. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He said, I am the total worm. My blood is accessible to all. My blood is plentiful for all men, women, boys, and girls, all tribes, all races, all languages, and all nationalities. If your garments are stained with sin and you are wrapped in the filthy rags of your own righteousness, Jesus is here today. He's saying, My blood dyes your gar- garment, which makes it a royal garment. You may have been saved 50 years ago, but Jesus' blood is sure fast, it will not fade with time. Or with the wind, his blood will not cease to flow. There's a fountain, old song, filled with blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins. We can't make it without the tolo worm. We can't make it without the blood. John three sixteen. we all know it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and 6, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And Romans 5 and 10 said, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In Psalms 22 and 6, but I am a worm, and no man, a, repro- a reproach of men, and despise the people. Thank God for the tola worm. Thank God for the blood. Amen. Thank God for Calvary. Amen. The Henson's wrote a song years ago. Thank God that mercy built the bridge. We needed a bridge. Yeah. and I told you today was going to be short. I knew it was going to be short. But I wanted you to get the message of the Tolo worm. He's a worm. He's that Tolo worm. He's that fast die that never fades, that never, never quits running. It flows freely. And I look on this congregation right now and say, well, everybody's saved. Everybody's saved. Everybody's give their heart to God. But you know what? I don't know everything. I don't know your lives. I don't know what you're going through. But I know what God told me to speak today. I do my best to present it. I do my best to bring it out. This wasn't my typical way I would do it either. But this is what God showed me today.